It's time to show off how we'd build a team. That and much more on this episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. We are back again, episode number 108 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are getting back into the off-season swing of things with slow news weeks. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have manager news to talk about, an all-star game, which is kind of surprising that we see one this year, but we'll talk about that in a bit. And then we have, as was teased in the intro, our Build-A-Team series that begins today. It's a short news day or a news week for us, and you know you just gotta you just gotta come up with uh, you gotta come up with things to keep to keep it interesting, so you're not just talking about managers and all star games and stuff like that uh, every single week. So I, I'm excited. I've been I've been thinking about mine here for about the last about the last week or so. I'm pretty happy with what I've been able to come up with, as I'm sure you have as well. So mm-hmm. while uh, I, I can speak for I can speak for Nick that he does not know anything about my team and I don't know anything about Nick, so this will be completely a surprise. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that's the one thing that's nice about this is that everyone's going to learn at the same time that we learn what yeah. each other's things are. So, I mean, mine's not that hard to guess. I mean, if you've listened to the show for long enough, you probably could guess it, but. Uh, Am I going to be annoyed with you when when you say which which city you're going to? Probably. Uh, then I know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. I'm glad to see that we're on the same page. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's like things like this. They're fun. They keep things, uh, you know, light and airy, especially in the off season. Plus, it'll be a fun way to help us get through the month of April. Uh, before we can finally start doing like you know league previews and things like that and of course we'll go back to team previews and whatnot next week it's just uh, this week was kind of short on time next week there may be announcement towards the end of the show about how we'll handle that uh, but without further ado I guess we should just kind of jump into the show and we'll take care of all the housekeeping uh, towards the end of the into the program so we'll get started with uh, some news out of the american association namely lincoln nebraska the salt dogs manager james frisbee was hired as the left-handed batting practice specialist for the detroit tigers uh he was hired to be the lincoln salt dog manager in november of 2019 but obviously given the covid pandemic and then the salt dogs opting to not play in 2020 uh then he never got the opportunity to actually manage a game for the team. Then now they will need to find a new manager. I don't recall who managed the Salt Dogs in 19. The last guy I saw was like Bobby Brown, who managed the club in 2018. 19, I didn't see anything listed, so I'll assume he was still on board or there was some sort of a kind of one year layover there. But Frisbee's been around the independent circuit for a while. If I'm right, he spent some time in Southern Maryland and now he finally gets the opportunity to. I'll be in the majors like a lot of the guys that I'm sure he's coached in the past. For sure. I, I mean, J- James Frisbee also, he'll be familiar to Atlantic League fans as he was the, the manager of the Southern Maryland, uh, the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs for a few years. Um, then obviously in 2019, they had uh, Stan Clyburn take over there. So for uh, James Frisbee, great, uh, great guy. Got the chance to talk to him on a couple occasions. R- really nice guy. And uh, unfortunately, he never got to manage uh, in the American Association. And as far as coaches making the big leagues, not exactly how you draw it up. But, you know, when you think about it from, from a practical standpoint, it makes sense. Uh, it, it makes sense to have a, a lefty a lefty throwing uh, batting practice specialist, and especially now, how important it is to have somebody who can uh, throw really good BP to to MLB hitters. So, I, I, what I will say is, it's interesting. Uh, now, I'm not sure what the pay differential is. I'm not going to pretend to know. I, I honestly have no idea. But I, I will say that it is a promotion to the big leagues in a lot of ways, and so that's awesome. Congratulations to James Frisbee and. I will say, and uh, the Salt Dogs are going to have to find a manager here rather quickly. We'll see how they handle that. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's always a good thing when you see guys get uh, get promoted to the major leagues. And I mean, of course, it's uh, it's an interesting position that 
like like you said, it makes sense, especially with you know baseball getting more and more analytical. That something like this, like it just makes more sense. It's kind of like, well, why would we have someone that isn't left-handed throwing batting practice to guys that need practice against lefties? So it definitely makes sense there. And like you said, it, it they do need to find a manager fairly quickly. And I don't really know who that's going to be. Like part of me almost wonders if you're just going to pull out like an old player manager trick. Cause I know a guy like Kurt Smith's been around for a while. So maybe he'd be interested in doing that. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. it, it, they are kind of hard pressed into finding this right now in a regular year. I think it wouldn't be as much of an issue just because the COVID wouldn't be, you know, as prevalent of a thing in everyone's forefront of the mind. Plus it is late to the cycle. You already have to start getting some guys in there. You already have guys that were there and it's, it is kind of a, a bit of a mess to clean up right now. And like mm-hmm. I said, there just really doesn't seem to be any obvious name. Like obviously with the Atlantic League names, we had a short list of names where, where we wouldn't be terribly shocked if we saw them get hired. And we really, with the exception of one or two guys, weren't terribly shocked with any of the hires. But here it's like, well, there's no real clear cut obvious name as to who's going to take the reins here. And I I don't even have anywhere to start to speculate on that outside of maybe a player. You know, I I think at this point you might be, you might be better off promoting somebody within the organization uh, Mm. at at this point. I'm not sure who, like a pitching coach uh, for them or not sure, or if they have a hitting coach or which could fall into that, that player coach role you were talking about as well. Mm. So I, I think that, a pro- an internal promotion is probably the way to go at this point. I, I don't think it's fair to ask a manager to come in for, from the outside and try to build a roster at lightning speed. Although I'm sure the James, although the salt dogs of course have some signings at this point, it's not like they're starting with an empty roster. Mm. Uh, but, but I, I think that it, it does put them in a tough spot and I'm sure the, the salt dogs, front office is not thrilled at the timing of this. Uh, so it, it definitely, it'll definitely be an interesting decision, but I think the most likely one is probably a promotion uh, within the organization. And then you just reevaluate after the season. Yeah, that's probably how it's going to be handled, but I do wonder how difficult it would be to build a roster because I mean, we know how these rosters are normally constructed and they're not normally constructed much more than like a month before opening day. So, I mean, if you're able to get a manager in there fairly quickly, it should be, you know, a little bit of learning on the fly, sure. But if they have experience in how the whole indie ball scene works, most of their rosters assembled after all the spring training camps are kind of cut down and have their final roster. And you have all these other guys floating around here. Like, obviously, you would have liked to have the same guy now for a couple of months. So you would have had the winter to kind of work guys over and try and get first dibs on the guys that were out there. But you still do have all those fresh spring training cuts and the guys that are going to get cut from the minor league spring training sure. that you're going to build the bulk of your roster from too. So, I mean, it could be a lot worse is what I guess I'm trying to get at. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'm, the American Association and the Salt Dogs included will be looking, like you mentioned, for those spring training cuts for those guys released from minor league spring training that I believe got underway just a couple of days ago. So I, I think there, there is an avenue that they can be fine, but as far as hiring a manager or figuring out what they're going to do, I'm sure they're already they've already begun the process. Whether that's uh, talking to whatever candidate inside their organization they want to promote, or already reaching out to people to try and conduct interviews, probably within the next week or so, uh, to try and to try and get this process moving. So I think that's probably what you're looking at. And, um, and, you know, it's definitely not impossible to, to finish off a roster, uh, especially if you bring in a guy who, who has involved experience and has, and has connections. I'm not sure how much a guy like Brett Jody or, um, or, or one of those guys are going to be, w- would want to go to, to Lincoln, uh, to manage there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure, but Regardless, there there is you mentioned there is an avenue. Uh, you really need to prioritize guys who do get released um, within in fairly short order from spring training. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And so 
uh, with that. We do know one guy it won't be, and that's uh, Cam Roth, as we switch now to talk about the Grizzlies new manager. This was announced back in mid-March, I think like the 15th or so. So it isn't exactly, you know, brand new news, but uh, at that point in time, we were busy getting ready for a Rick White interview, and then we were getting busy for a, a Toastman interview, and then just kind of fell through the cracks last week. So I figure, why not address this now? And we'll talk about it now. So Cam Roth is the new manager of Gateway. Their previous manager uh, stepped aside to take a different role in the organization. And uh, Cam Roth is an experienced Frontier League manager. He spent 11 years or so in the Frontier League. I think that's between his player and a coach. And he was, of course, the manager of the year in 2019 with Lake Erie. Then he was hired away by, I believe it was the Tigers. And then he wound up winding back in the Frontier League, was the pitching coach in Gateway, or was at least supposed to be the pitching coach in Gateway. And then, well, now he's the manager of uh, Gateway. So obviously uh, a quality hire here. Seems like a quality guy as well. And uh, Gateway has really their first new manager in quite some time. Yeah, they, they definitely, it was definitely a great hire and, I remember talking about Cam Roth becoming the gateway pitching coach at the time. You know, he, he's obviously got hired away by Detroit, like you mentioned. So, you know, he, he, he is highly thought of and um, <clears throat> he, he's very, he's clearly very highly thought of, but unfortunately with the MILB contraction, while that of course means less players and less markets, it also means less coaches. Coaches are not immune to that either. So I, I think I, you can agree when we say when we, when we heard that Roth was being hired as the Grizzlies pitching coach, it was kind of a yeah, that's going to be like a pit stop type of thing where he'll be looking for a managerial job, uh, probably not this soon, of course, uh, but within like the next year or so after. Uh, we did not expect him by any sort to be the uh, the long term pitching coach with the Gateway Grizzlies. So I mean, and when their manager stepped aside, this was a pretty pretty obvious choice. I'm sure they didn't really have to look around too much and just promoted Cam Roth. But regardless, this is a great hire. Uh, he's already had a hand in their roster building to begin with, and so there's not really. I don't even think there's too much of a transition here. But I know. Uh, Cam Roth was very, very highly thought of, at least on the uh, on the the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs uh, Zoom press conferences. I remember with uh, with Dalton Geeky, the, one of their relievers that they they just signed. He talked very, very highly about Cam Roth and how essentially Lake Erie almost turned it, almost turned his career around. So I, I thought that was pretty cool to hear a player who's even in the Atlantic League at this point speaking really highly of Cam Roth and what he did. Uh, with Lake Erie. So I think it's definitely a, a, gr a great hire for the Grizzlies, a, pr a pretty easy one at that as well, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It just is kind of an obvious guy there when you have him just sitting right there as a pitching coach. And we were kind of like, okay, well, who's going to wind up hiring Cam Roth away from this staff? It's clearly not a long-term uh, uh, stopping point for him. And clearly now the answer was, well, it kind of is just not in the role that he originally held so gateway definitely got a very good manager there and it definitely should help them begin to construct their roster i mean we're only when you think about it about six or so weeks away i believe it is from frontier league opening day so they're gonna have to get busy building their roster and who knows how they wind up shaping up with the new divisional structure over there so uh go for cam ralph getting that gig Wanted to mention that. I know, like I said, it's a couple weeks old, but uh, still it was worth mentioning. So uh, definitely a, a cool hire there. Uh, with that, we kind of move to the last bit of news for the week. I know, again, it's a short news week, but we do have a bit of a fun exercise coming up after this so we do have our final news story which is the empire league all-star game it was announced on tuesday that the game will be held on july 18th at 7 30 p.m at <clears throat> in tupper lake new york it's pretty much upstate new york adirondack region and there will be a home run derby the day prior that is july 17th at the same time 7 30 again at tupper lake most of the teams in the Empire League are pretty centrally located. They're all pretty much upstate New York, with the exception of the Puerto Rico Islanders. And there's this one team, the Georgia Rhinos. I'm not sure what those two teams' plans are, uh, given the COVID situation, how that's going to shape up. And there is a team in New Hampshire, I know, as well. 
by and large, they're all pretty closely located, but it just still seems a bit odd to have an all-star game at COVID season. Although, when you start working through it logically, you're like, okay, well, if they're all pretty centrally located, what and these teams are all still playing each other, what exactly is, you know, a bit of the difference? Plus, they're outside. It's at a lower point year. You can start to rationalize it. It's just still very odd to have a whole all-star game week to uh at this point in time yeah i I just feel right now it's it's kind of unnecessary not that necessarily you're you're exposing a ton of people to COVID and whatnot you'd think by 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 that point uh by the time the all-star game happens most people would be vaccinated it just seems like an unnecessary risk at this point uh with not with not a lot of reward but i mean Listen, to Tupper Lake, it's still a new franchise, so it doesn't surprise that they uh, ended up getting rewarded with an all-star game here pretty early in their existence. So I, I could see it, uh, but, you know, it, and I'm sure I'm sure they'll do a good job. I'm sure it'll be fun. But, you know, it just seems like it seems like unnecessary at this point, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, it just seems really out of place at the moment where it's just like it almost seems like it's too normal. At this point, like we're not quite back to being fully normal yet, and we're just mm-hmm. kind of operating like it is. And and like you said, it really isn't so much like a COVID risk because I suppose when you think about like okay, if you still are doing the social distancing, and you factor in the fact most of these guys are already playing each other and whatnot, and more people be vaccinated, and things will just be generally safer, and the COVID should you know kind of reduce in numbers as more people are able to go outside and do things outside, and and whatnot it just seems still like it's there's something off about it like i'm not saying it's a bad thing it just seems like you said unnecessary and just a little bit off i i just can't put my finger on what exactly puts me off about it It just it doesn't seem like the kind of thing here and i think part of it too is we see all the now partner leagues and even like the uspbl and the pioneer league and you know all these other leagues they're not really doing anything similar to that i mean we've mm-hmm. we've been told explicitly by all the partner leagues we're not having an all-star game this year there's just no reason for it and we're not going to have our guys travel and risk coven all this just for that so i think that's part of it like if everyone else was doing an all-star game they'd be like oh okay well you know and everyone else is doing it but they're seemingly the only ones out there doing an all-star game right now so it's like oh well this is a bit odd I agree. I, I think odds a, a perfect way to describe it. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily bad. It just seems it just seems out of place. It just seems unnecessary. So can't say I agree with it, but I'm sure it'll be a fun time for the people in attendance. Yep, absolutely. There. And so with that, we go to the final thing we have on the agenda for the day. We mentioned a couple weeks back when we were talking about how we're how you could improve Major League Baseball, and then we said, you know what? Uh, we should take our own swing at it, practice what we preach, and talk about how we build a team from the ground up. And so with that in mind, we decided for April, we're going to do a running series where we build a team from the ground up. So that means we're going to pick everything from just where we're going to found the team, the stadium behind it, and the whole logic behind the location of the team, the team name, the branding, all that, to how we'd actually run the operation. That comes down from game day to just mentality and I guess kind of the the mindset that you'd have for guiding this team. And then it goes to like the players and the coaches on the field. And who knows if we're able to maybe try and plug all the players and coaches and whatnot into some sort of simulation and see how we would do in the uh, actual uh, leagues that uh, we put these teams in. Maybe we can make that work. I don't know. In any case, so I guess with that said... I'll uh I'll let Will start here because I'm very interested to see uh what market he picked in the state and his whole plan there and everything behind it because I I really don't know which it is and I feel like when he says I'm gonna be like oh yep that makes sense but I don't really uh I don't really know at the moment. So j- just to, just to clarify, are we? Do you want me to just throw everything on the table right now, or do you want me to just like? talk one by one like oh this is where discussion uh 
what I'd say is like announce what league you're in and then what location in the stadium or if you need a bill stand, whatever it would be. And then like the team name and then just kind of like a, talk about each point here. And then I'll say mine and okay. we can discuss the, the two of them. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, so if you guys know me, you guys know which league uh, I, what, what league is my, is my favorite league, which league I, I cover uh, a lot. So if you thought, that uh, I would be picking my my expansion team. I'll leave it at my expansion team to keep the location as a, as a surprise. If you thought my expansion team was going anywhere but the Atlantic League, you were mistaken. Damn, so, I thought it was the Frontier League. No, I mean I like the Frontier League. the the Frontier The Frontier League is great. I, I can't wait to get some to some Frontier League games this season. However, if I was building a team, you have to, you you have to know that yeah. I'm absolutely going to the Atlantic League. So that's the least surprising part. So the market I would build my team in, it's a little bit abnormal, uh, I, although it is plenty populated, and I really believe it can work as a big-time tourist attraction. So I would put my team in Ocean City, Maryland. Now, oh, that's let, that's a good one. So, in Ocean City, Maryland, and before we before I continue, you might be thinking if you know minor league baseball, aren't the Delmarva Shorebirds uh, the the high affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles? Aren't they there? Yes, but they're about forty to forty five minutes outside Ocean City, so not really on, not really like actually in Ocean City. So, and. I first thought of this because I was thinking back to where I would put one. And I remembered when I was on vacation in Ocean City a couple of years ago, mm. I was like, wow, I, I would love to go to a minor league baseball game here. We're, we're looking for something to do. Yeah. And there was it was Delmarva, like 40 minutes away. I'm like, eh, that's, that's too far. So that gave me the idea to put a team in, in Ocean City. So I think it would be a massive tourist attraction to begin with. Uh, I think you would really appeal, especially if you're starting, say, in May. Uh, although you'd probably think the first, like the first couple weeks, might be a little slow. But once you're hitting Memorial Day, uh, you're getting a huge crowd, and maybe maybe I'm sacrificing a little bit because I, I think there are give and takes with with every market. Mm. You're probably sacrificing a little bit of the like the loyal season ticket, uh, the loyal season ticket base in exchange for um, in exchange for looking for for a lot of tourists, a lot of people moving in and out. Uh, but so I think, in my opinion, I, I chose to, I chose to do that just because I look at other teams who are similar in the sense that who, they're similar in the sense that they are on these beach uh in these beach environments these beach towns i think of the myrtle beach pelicans who are, mm-hmm. of course are, are a huge hit down there so i think that would be that would be my goal i think uh, i would try to be a lot uh, a lot like them because i think they're uh, a very very successful minor team so uh, as far as ocean city that's that's that was my thinking as far as putting a team there i think you could do very very well especially during um during the summer season it would be an absolute hit i mean do i mean can you imagine fireworks nights there mm. uh and it, it would be heavily promotion based as well i think uh but, uh, and i'll save a lot of that for for whatever part we talk about specific promotions players what teams uh former teams we want to tap into but that that's that was my thinking behind going uh ocean city and uh as far as the stadium uh as far as the stadium we've talked about before in the show how uh how the new age minor league stadium it seems like they're going for less seats and more things to do yeah and i really wanted to tap into that because you don't see a lot of people who are going to minor league games just to watch the game. You're looking for people who have who are looking for a night out, and I think, especially in a market like Ocean City, you would absolutely uh, you would absolutely have that. You're having a lot a lot of families who are coming in uh, who, who are coming in 
to the city to uh, on vacation and such. So I think a walk around concourse is absolutely it, it's absolutely vital. Uh, I would I would definitely go with artificial turf so you can uh, have different sports. You can host different tournaments. You can host different uh, like big travel tournaments even during the fall. Uh, it, it, like during the fall when there's when baseball is not going on, you could have like hey like come down to Ocean City for a big like lacrosse tournament or, uh, or or a big soccer tournament where you're looking to tap into that AAU club team uh, market where you're looking to host teams down there and play at your facility. I think so artificial turf is a must. I'm thinking a walk around concourse. I think that's vital. So um, in the outfield, you're looking at, you're looking at a bunch of games. You're looking at carnival games. Um, and you, you, you could even throw, uh, you could even throw maybe even a hot tub you could pay for to watch the game right beyond, right beyond the fence. Just like, uh, just like, Chase Field in Arizona or even mm-hmm. in, in Redding, Pennsylvania. I think that'd be a good place to sell tickets for, for people to watch the game, really play into that, uh, into that beach environment. So walk around concourse, I'd say as far as the seats, I'd probably say about 5,500, uh, but really ex- extend those seats out uh, instead of um, really going up towards the concourse. I really want to, I would really want to emphasize to extending out, uh, out towards the foul poles. And, um, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think it would be, you're really trying to tap into, uh, making a big, uh, a, a really fun night out for, for families that are on vacation and with an indie ball team that could be, that is totally free to pursue their own promotions. I think it really could work. Yeah, absolutely. And so I got two things to say. One, do you have any like idea for like a branding to it yet? Or is that still coming? Oh, like a, like a, like a team name. Yeah. Like a team name. My original plan, and then I started second guessing myself right before the show. I was thinking of, oh, you could just do the Ocean City Waves, but then that seems kind of generic. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, I think, how about this? I'll, I'll come up with a better one. Maybe, maybe uh, an animal. I'll have to do more research. I was thinking crabs, but you can't do that to the blue crabs. Yeah. So I'll say temporarily the the Ocean City waves, but that's super generic. So I'll come back with a better one, probably uh, an animal based uh, an animal based one, because that makes for the best mascots, and you'll, everyone loves mascots. Yeah. So that, that that's what I would go with. Okay, cool. And then the second idea I have, because you mentioned like all the carnival attractions and whatnot, kind of like a, sure. beyond the outfield wall. What would mm-hmm. almost be really cool, and I'm not sure if it's practical or not. And it probably isn't, but if you made the whole back section up to be like a boardwalk and you really just played into that where you had like your carnival games and your, you know, your food vendors, like for your funnel cakes and your fries and all things like that. If you were to kind of put up like a pseudo boardwalk look and go with like, like and go with like a fake boardwalk type thing there where it's not real wood. It's kind of like that fake wood that lasts longer. That that mm-hmm. could really work and could really play into that whole mentality. And I will say, I was kind of sh- like I don't want to say I was shocked, but I was not expecting Ocean City, Maryland. And we you were describing I knew it. you weren't going to expect it. Yeah, no, that's definitely unexpected. And as you were describing it, I was like, oh god, that's similar to mine. When that be a kick in the balls, we picked mine. <laughs> but uh, it, oh oh well, well, if it's the one that I you, that I think I'm going to get annoyed by. Then I think that uh, then I then I would not have picked that one. Now. <laughs> Look, it's gonna work out fine either way because I have a totally different mentality, or not totally different, but I do have a different strategy for running this uh, for my team here. When we get to that in just one second, uh, than you have for yours. But yeah, it's it's probably the one that you're gonna get annoyed at. But regardless, uh, yeah. So I, I would say. I mean, and that, and you know, Nick, that's the risk you run by making it a surprise. Well, yes, but see, that makes it even better because now we have parallels for how this is going to go. And, that's true. and that makes it even more better for comparing contrast reasons. But, uh, you yeah, know, I really do like the location of it. I figured the Atlantic League was kind of a given. And the stadium yes. idea is the only part on that which I think would be kind of difficult to swing because from the kind of construction cost there, I'm not sure 
how that would operate. We, I'm pretty sure you'd probably need the same stadium authority that Haggardstown's trying to get approval from to build it. So I think mm. there'd just be a money issue on that front. But everything else, it does. You make a very compelling case for it. And it does sound interesting, and I think it probably it would definitely be able to work because there is that population base there, and there should be a large enough base for sponsorships and everything from around that general area. The only thing I would caution here is perhaps the Atlantic League isn't the right league, just because you start in that early April period. And if you were to go with, say, a Frontier League, then obviously you're going to have to suffer with the the downgrade in play, and also your roster is going to be a lot more difficult to construct. But you don't start play until that mid-May period. So you could do a, say, one-week road trip to open up the year, and then you come back and your opening week is right at Memorial Day weekend. Or if you say, all right, we'll open the week before, we'll get an opening day rush, and then we'll get the Memorial Day rush too, that may work better. But if you're fine having, you know, kind of so-so attendance for like roughly a month, then it's fine. And I suppose... You could say, all right, we're going to spend most of the first month traveling to avoid that and, you know, kind of go out elsewhere. So that's the only thing I may caution against here. But, I mean, if you have the opportunity for the Atlantic League, you take that just because of the quality of name that you're going to be able to get. And that's certainly going to draw in names if you grab some former Orioles or some former uh, Nationals or whatever it is. And yeah. obviously, we'll we'll talk more about promotional stuff in game day experience and operational stuff uh, in the next part of this. But it definitely does open the door for a lot of things. So I, I definitely do like the Ocean City uh, idea. Thank you. I, I, I now I'm looking forward to hearing uh, hearing yours. All right. So there's a couple of cities I thought of. You know, obviously, there's that article from over a year ago now where I talked about markets that could get a team and one of them was Wilmington North Carolina because I really do think Wilmington has potential they've had minor league teams in the past they currently have I believe it's a uh, a coastal plain league team I didn't go with them though just because I know that local government's been very against building a stadium in the past and I don't think that would change anytime soon so I kind of threw them aside I've had this kind of farcical dream of putting a team in Delaware and calling them the Sea Turtles and really going with like these, like I I legitimately thought this through before where like the home jersey is an all white look and then kind of like a, uh, a tropical kind of orange, green, blue type look with a kind of modern thing where it says Sea Turtles across the front and you have a very uh, modernist or simplistic looking sea turtle that goes underneath kind of like a take on the old devil rays jersey i thought about that before but i decided not to go with that either just because i'm like "Ah, i'm not sure there's a big enough market for that in delaware so then i came back to well if i was putting a team i'd want to put it in new jersey because i know there's a lot of people in new jersey and there's certainly money in the state and i think it could really work So then you have to start thinking about, okay, where would I put this team? And of course, I want to go with Nork because, I mean, you know, I've been beating that drum for quite some time here, but I know very well Nork's not building a baseball stadium. So we can't go with that. I thought Camden, but same boat. So then it became clear where I was going to go with. It's not a new market. It's an old hit that kind of fell on hard times, isn't around anymore. I'm, of course, picking Atlantic City, New Jersey, which I think a lot of people could have seen coming. I want to try it again in the Atlantic League because I really do think it can work. I'm very much on this. We know there's interest from the Atlantic League back in the end of 2019. Frank Bolton was looking for ownership there, wasn't quite able to find it or secure it in the time frame. But there is interest among some in the city and from the league for it. So I think it is plausible on that front that that could happen if an ownership group were to step up and bring the money obviously you could just put them right back in surf stadium you could sell the naming rights to that for more money if you think you can make that work i'm not gonna lie it does need some work the outfield wall needs to be rebuilt the turf you'd like to switch out from natural to a synthetic just because again it provides a lot more opportunities of course so 
I, it, the stadium does need work openly. They put in a lot of work after Hurricane Sandy, though, to bring it back up. It's still being used by the uh, Atlantic Community College, so it's not like it's totally been abandoned. Like I said, I think with some money dumped into it and some elbow grease, you could definitely get it up to par. It seats 5,500, so it's not even like it's a small venue. It definitely does meet the requirements here. And similar to Ocean City, you do have a large tourism base here. Atlantic City and Atlantic County as a whole does have a large population base as well. I believe it's something along the lines of 33,000 people in Atlantic City proper, and then the county itself has more than that. So I really do think you could draw people in from that surrounding area, whether they be tourists or locals. And I think, as I'll go into more detail about in part two, you could definitely reach out and make inroads in the local communities and do the a lot of local hiring to get people in there through those means. You can reach out and do uh, a lot of integrate with the community type things where you're providing free tickets, maybe through like a reading program for kids or something along those lines. I definitely think it is possible to make that work. And the benefit of being in Atlantic City is certainly the fact of you have a lot of entertainment coming in and out of Atlantic City, but not all of it is, say, family friendly. It's obviously known as a kind of the gambling hub of the East Coast, kind of the Vegas of the East. So you can partially use that to your advantage, maybe make some sort of deal with a casino in there to try and include their tickets into just, you know, general stay packages. Because I'm sure there are some people that are staying at the hotels that are ran by the casinos there. And it's a free little easy thing to dump in there. If you make a partnership there and you get people into the ballpark, do you really care how they got there? No. So there's that. And also just for people that are kind of there where they're like, oh, I want to go to Atlantic City, maybe do a little bit of stuff during the day there. But at night, there's really nothing for us to do. This is something to do. You could definitely get tourists in there. And like I said, locals are still drawn in there as well. There's a history of baseball there, obviously, in the recent past. And there's just a large kind of sports history there as well. When you just look at some of the other sports that have been there. And that kind of draws on some of the names I had there. Uh, I could have went with, you know, bring back the surf name, but I just don't like the thought of reviving dead brands that don't really have any sort of major significance. So that brought me to three newer names. So one's kind of a take on an old one where I would be interested in going with, say, the Atlantic City Gulls. It's a play on a very old hockey team that played in Atlantic City. So perhaps that plus, you know, seagulls by the shore. It's always a thing. And then the other two I thought of were was the Neptunes, which, if you'll remember back from a couple of weeks ago, was the supposed name of the team in Virginia Beach, where it was going to be the Virginia Beach Neptunes, but why not repurpose the name for Atlantic City? It still makes sense. You're right by the ocean. Neptune for ocean, it works out there well. Or go with the Atlantics. So be like the Atlantic City Atlantics. Maybe that doesn't flow great, so maybe you change it to say, like, I don't know, the Jersey Shore Atlantics or the Coastal Atlantics, or you could come up with something creative there. I do like using the city name, though. I think it helps with the local identity. But that was my my theory behind it, because, again, you have a lot of entertainment options. If you put in a synthetic turf, too, you could host a variety of different things. You could host music festivals. You could host uh, food festivals. You could host other cultural festivals. You could have still, like, high school tournaments there. You could still have a lot of things uh, through there. Plus, also being in Atlantic City, you do have a nice corporate base as well uh, that does business in the city. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to sponsor a pro sports team, it definitely helps with brand recognition. So that is something I'd also throw out there. So Atlantic City was my pick. What are your thoughts on that? So <clears throat> this is obviously not the first time you have brought up uh, going back to Atlantic City uh, mm -hmm. on the show. I don't hate it. I, I I was almost kind of playing it, uh, playing it. Oh, am I going to be annoyed by it? Kind of as a joke, yeah. but because uh, I mean, because would I like a, an Atlantic League team uh, back in Atlantic City? Of course I would. Yeah. Uh, of course I would. So that that would be that that would be awesome. I guess my my question would be: so how 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 much money do you think it would take to revive that stadium, and how much how much work do you think? Uh, it needs. I know you were starting to go over a little bit of it, uh, but do you think it's like that's like a major, major renovation project, or it's like like a touch up? Because it is. It definitely is a benefit that there is a stadium there at the moment, even if it's not in the best condition. 
the answer to that question largely depends on if you want to redo the turf or not. For by and large, they just put in a brand new lighting system. They put in, they fixed a lot of the damage to press boxes and whatnot that have been done since the years where the stadium was essentially abandoned. Realistically, it'd be the outfield wall and then maybe some just, you know, fan amenity work. They could get up to play fairly easily from there. I would say probably a couple million would probably be the best course of action. Unless you want to do the field, then it would cost more because the field costs more. Now, I don't really have, you know, accurate numbers for what that would cost. Plus, you have to factor in the fact of uh, whenever you're doing work in New Jersey, it's going to be more than the quoted prices. It's just the reality of the situation on projects like this. So it'd probably be more than that. But I would say no more than a couple million to get everything up to where you'd want it to be for a professional team and of course that's assuming you're going with you know maybe not top of the line but you know above average stuff if you were to if you're willing to cut costs on some of the things then you could definitely manage to knock that price down a bit but i don't think it would cost more than a couple million to you know get the immediate things up and running and give the ballpark a fresh coat of paint make it look all nice because like i said they still do put up an outfield wall and everything for the community college that's there but obviously you'd want a better wall if it's professional baseball than for a community college. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the plan sound, the plan sounds great. The plan, the plan of action sounds great. Um, of course, Atlantic city has the tourist attractions. They have, they have people that do live there uh, as well as you mentioned a big sponsorship, uh, a, a huge, uh, dare I say a huge sponsorship base that would, that would be there. Uh, to potentially sponsor different things and do different fun giveaways, um, I guess. And, and so I guess this would be more of a thing for uh, when we're talking about like the game day, uh, the the game day experience and the marketing aspect and how you're looking to bring fans into the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess without getting into too much detail, because I'm sure this is a uh, this is another another part of this would be like part two or part three Mm -hmm. i I guess how would you market to the fan base better that i guess they didn't do the first time yes so i'm going to keep it vague because my whole operational plan is going to go way more into this so i'll keep it kind of superficial sure i would say the First things first is you have to appeal to locals so that way you have your solid base. You don't need the stadium packed with locals all the time because, quite frankly, that's not exactly our base. That's not who we're targeting. And whether they, whether it's Connecticut money or Pennsylvania money or Delaware money or wherever for money, it doesn't really matter. It's all green and it's all still accepted. So I would say you first start off by getting the locals, though, because you want that nice base there so that way you know every night there's going to be at least, say, 1,200 people in that ballpark. So that way you feel really good about that. And then at any given time, you're going to have tourists that are going to make up the rest of it. So I would reach out primarily, again, through maybe, say, something like a reading program where it's like, okay, if you sign up for the uh, Neptune's reading program, for every three books you read, you get a ticket to a game or something like that. And maybe you partner with a local library to get that done. And then obviously you're integrating more to the community. I would try to run more, say, first step baseball programs where, you know, you're appealing to that kind of younger group where maybe it's the five through seven year olds that want to try the game but haven't gotten the opportunity to through whatever reasoning. And you have the players on that team and the coaches kind of give you know, maybe uh, free hour-long lessons a couple times throughout the year. So that helps integrate there. As far as marketing goes, it's Atlantic City, so you can get really crazy with things and still maintain a pretty good image. So there really is no shortage of ideas. I mean, hell, you could put someone on stilts on the boardwalk with a giant sign that says, you know, come to the Neptunes game or something like that. You could do just a bunch of standard kind of things like billboards and banner planes and things like that and work out fine. Or you could get real crazy and creative with it. And one thing I wouldn't want to do is shy away from the whole casino aspect because that's a large part of Atlantic City. So I would still play into that, but kind of play into it in maybe not the most uh, detailed of ways. Kind of be like and acknowledge that you are still in a casino town but don't make that your identity is kind of what I'm getting at. So use that in like your, uh, your marketing. Maybe you set up some sort of, uh, 
like why is it a slot machine that's what i'm thinking of. maybe like some sort of slot machine or some sort of like mini casino set up on the boardwalk one day or in some sort of rental space where you have people kind of come up and they you know compete for various you know team merchandise or whatnot well that is really your worst it spreads team awareness and best case scenario they're interested and they come to games i mean so that is that's part of it obviously i'm gonna have more of a marketing plan when i for the next time we discuss this in part two so that would generally be it it'd be reaching out to locals to start with and then appealing to your tourists making it well known that look we have a baseball team here and you should be in there and that goes to making a lot of deals with the casinos and the hotels that are around there to try and just pawn off tickets on whatever see the the price of a mission i'm willing to lose and just eat the cost on getting people into the ballpark at least to start because if i can just yeah. get them into the ballpark that's where i make my money I always kind of viewed it, and I'm not sure if this is entirely accurate, and I'm sure if it's not accurate, I'll have a slew of team people telling me that's not true at all, that's not how this works, and I, I'm open to being correct on this, but I always kind of just view the cost of the ticket as covering that initial cost, that, okay, if we can sell out, then we can break even, and our money now comes from the food and the souvenirs and the in-game promotions and all of that. That's where we're really going to make our money. The tickets are just one step in covering the expense of everything else. And so if I have to just eat that for the first couple of years, that's the reality of the situation to build up a fan base, to build up repeat business. So if I have to give away tickets, I have to give away tickets. As long as they get in there and they start buying beer and sodas and hot dogs and hats and t-shirts and 50-50 tickets and things like that and going to the entertainments and amusements from around the ballpark, that's all I care about. That's really yeah. the important thing is that they're buying other things because that's going to offset any other cost. So realistically, yeah. it's that's part of the marketing is just getting people to know the brand name and get them into the ballpark and then establishing in the local community that, look, we're not here for a short time. We're going to be here for a while. We're going to try and improve the community because we want to be part of this community and we want to succeed in this community. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think I think it could definitely work. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Uh, I'm hearing more about the the full on operations plan when we get to it. Yep, and same thing for Ocean City. Like, I'm very curious yeah. to see where you're going to take Ocean City because these are also two cities that, while they both are similar in the fact that they have high tourism base and that's where their blind share of revenue comes from. They also attract two very different types of people where Ocean City is going to be very much more geared towards your families typically, although, you know, it varies some. And Atlantic City is not really a family destination. All right. So uh, with that, I think we kind of talked part one to, to death here. So part two will be coming in the near future. Now, I would normally say it would come next week, but next week I have a LSAT on Saturday. That means all of next week, despite it being beautiful out, I'm going to be studying for that. So I don't know if we're going to have time to record. Well, I should say, I don't know if I'm going to have time to record. And if I don't have time to record, then the whole operation doesn't work because I'm the one that has the board and does the physical recording and editing and everything like that. So <clears throat> that said, I don't know if we're going to have a regular show for you next week or if you're getting a clip show. Yes, I am willing to do a clip show. Yes, we do have enough outtakes to make a clip show. So that will be coming at some oh, point. Oh, do we? We do. We have like an hour's worth. So. No, an hour? Yeah, like legit now. <laughs> How much screwing around do we do on this podcast? Oh my goodness. I mean, like, it's a good thing I don't record the pre-show. Because then we'd really have a long ass show. Goodness. Yeah. So, uh... You may get a clip show next week, or you may just get a short normal show. I don't know. Any case, look for not next week, but the week after for part two of this series. And, uh, you know, business as usual. I'd say expect the clip show as of right now, but who's to say either way? <clears throat> and, uh, exactly. yeah. So unless something major breaks, that is, of course, you know, like, if we found out one major league was folding or, you know, I don't know, Mike Trout 
decides to forego the rest of his Major League Baseball contract and sign with, you know, like the Claiborne Railroaders because he loves their Texas Rangers look, then, you know, we'd obviously have to cover that. We'd have to come on and talk about that. By and large, as of now, kind of expect the clip show unless something major happens. That's that's the kind of housekeeping news uh, for now. So with that said, now we can actually go into the plugs here. And uh, if you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can do so at ALPB underscore news or at IndieBallReport. Uh, if you want to complain, you can go to the website and then go to the contact information. Use any of that uh, contact information to reach out to our complaint department, and they will certainly answer you. However, they will answer you with Jersey charm. So forewarned, forearmed. They will answer you. It is important to clarify they they will answer you, just probably not in the way you would like. Exactly. Then they'll at least address the claim one way or the other. So, you know, there is a complaint department, though. I'll tell you that. And also on that website, in addition to that contact information, you can find the show notes, all the shows, and some other miscellaneous crap that we also throw up there every once and a while. So with that said, do we have anything else left to add? So my thing left to add today, I'll I would I'll tell you what, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to congratulate you, Nick Firestone. Yeah. And I'm going to congratulate you because as a Mets fan, it has not been very fun. Yeah. Uh, for a while. And it was a big moment for you. You could argue oh, about Lindor. pay or whatever, but signing Francis, extending Francisco Lindor, really big deal. So just wanted to congratulate you and the Mets fan base on that. I mean, like, I'm happy to have Lindor. I'm not happy to have the contract, but at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Fine. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm just going to live with it. Although part of me is just used to signing, you know, really good players for big contracts and them disappointing me. So. You know, I, I'm still happy to see what he can do. And obviously, I hope he, you know, holds up for eight of the ten years there. Because asking for ten seems like a, a bit much. But, you know, uh, as long as he, he continues to be playing uh, at a high level, or if he gets us a World Series, then it's all well and good. And, uh, you yeah. know, I like, I like this. If at some point they throw a DH in, I'll just stop caring. Ah. Uh. Hey, I went on my whole tangent okay. on Twitter yesterday about this because, you know, yeah. Josh Donaldson hurt himself rounding the bases, and I think it's time for a designated runner. How many more players need to hurt, get hurt rounding first base, trying to stretch a single into a double? How many more? They're not trained to run. They're trained to field, and they are trained to hit, not to run. Okay, okay, Nick. I'm just saying there's an argument to be made. I mentioned earlier in the week I was going to review AJR's latest album. I'm going to wait on that, and I really don't have much left to add. I think we kind of talked the show to death this week. So um, assuming everyone's kind of done with me uh, talking, I'm just going to close this baby out, and I will actually add one thing here. Uh, North Dakota is currently getting raided by by the NHL teams, which makes me sad, but at the same time, happy for the players, not happy with how the season ended. Losing in five overtimes is never fun. And, uh, you know, I'm not even angry about it. I'm just kind of sad that that's how that ended in a literal history-making game. So with that said, uh, nothing else left to add. Uh, you know the drill around here. Don't forget to play ball. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it's pretty good. It'll, it'll fly. <laughs>